0: Hi, it's Rob West. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to let you know that last year, more than 45,000 people searched for a local certified kingdom advisor or CKA in their area. These financial, legal and accounting professionals have completed a certification program to give biblically wise financial advice as a part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to MoneyWise.org and clicking the Find a CKA button on the homepage. One of the facts of life is that each of us will die someday, and everything we have will be left behind, including our debts. So who will have to pay those debts? Hi, I'm Rob West. First today, we'll be talking about debt after life and how it can affect your loved ones and beneficiaries. This is an important matter, so don't ignore it. Then we'll go to your calls, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Money Wise Weekend, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. As you know, we occasionally begin the broadcast by focusing on foundational matters that relate to finances. And you may recall that our teaching model centers around the five basic things you can do with your money. You can earn it, live on it, Give it away, owe it to someone or the government, and you can grow it by investing. That is earn, live, give, owe, and grow. It's pretty easy to remember. And today we're focusing on owing money and on a particular aspect of that topic that perhaps you haven't thought about. Namely, what happens to your debts when you die? Of course, those debts won't be of much concern to you at that point, but they could be of great concern to those you leave behind. Many people assume that when they pass away, their debts will be written off by creditors and not collected. Well, that is true with regard to some debts, but it is the exception, not the rule. The U.S. government does write off federal school loans when the person who owes the money dies, and that extends to plus loans parents take out for their children's education In fact, if either a parent or the student dies, the loan is written off. One other possible exception is small medical debts. Sometimes medical providers will write those off, but they are under no obligation to do so. As for other kinds of debt, those obligations do not go away. They'll be assigned to other people who will become responsible for paying them, or they'll be paid from the proceeds of your estate. I'll explain that in a moment. But first, you need to understand that there are two types of debt, secured debt and unsecured. A secured debt is anything that has collateral. That is something the creditor could take and sell to pay the debt if it came to that. Secured debt includes things such as a home mortgage or a car loan. A creditor could foreclose on a house or repossess a car. Uh, Those are secured debts. In contrast, unsecured debt has no collateral. Credit cards fall into that category. Typically, a secured debt will pass to a beneficiary. If your spouse becomes the sole owner of the house when you pass away and you still have a mortgage on it, he or she will be responsible for continuing the payments. If you bequeath your car to a loved one and it still has a loan on it, the beneficiary will have to either take over the payments or refuse the vehicle. As for unsecured debts, such as credit cards, those debts will not pass to a loved one unless that person is a joint account holder. If the person is simply an authorized user but not a joint account holder, that person won't be responsible for the debt. Now, in most cases, credit card debt will be paid from your estate. Estate is a legal term for the assets you leave behind, such as cash in a bank account or maybe a set of tools or collectibles you own. To satisfy the creditors, the executor of your estate will have to pay the bills from those assets. That could involve selling things you left behind to generate enough cash to clear the debts. When settling an estate, creditors are first in line legally. They get paid before anyone else. That means fewer resources will be left for your heirs or to give away to your church or a charity. Fortunately, some assets are not considered a part of your estate, including life insurance proceeds and retirement accounts with named beneficiaries. Those are protected against creditors. Now, let me say a word about medical-related debt. In most cases, a survivor is not directly responsible for that unless he or she co-signed a form pledging financial responsibility. However, laws relating to how debts are handled after death vary from state to state. Nine states in the U.S are what are known as community property states in which marital assets are jointly owned. Medical debt may be handled differently in those states. Now, I've only given you a general lay of the land regarding what happens to debts after a person dies. It may be wise to consult an estate attorney if you have specific concerns about how debts will be dealt with based on the state you live in or your particular financial situation. You certainly don't want your loved ones taken by surprise in this area. I hope that helps you clear up some of the misconceptions you may have had about how debt is handled after death. Next up, your calls on any financial topic. The number to call, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with Scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money Seeking God's Wisdom 31-Day Devotional with a gift of any amount at MoneyWise.org.
1: You probably have a strategy for your finances, your career, even your retirement. But do you have a strategy for your giving? At the National Christian Foundation, we can help you create a giving strategy to inspire your family, maximize your resources, and leave a lasting legacy of faith. To learn how, visit moneywise.org slash NCF.
0: weekend is all about biblical wisdom for your financial journey. I'm so glad you can spend time with us today, and I'd love to tackle your financial questions. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. In fact, we'll begin today in Alabama. Todd, thank you for calling, sir. Go right ahead.
2: Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I've been a long-time listener. I remember growing up listening to Larry Burkett in the backseat oh, wow. of dad's car. So <laughs> That's car. Thank you for your ministry.
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, so my question today is uh, regarding investments. Uh, my wife and I have uh, uh, about four to five months in our emergency fund. Um, we will have a Roth for each of us maxed out by the end of the year. Um, we'll have about five to 10,000 additional uh, to invest this year. And um, I was thinking about either I bonds or in the traditional IRA. I was wondering which way you would want to go, or um, if there's some other suggestion you thought would be better.
0: Yeah, very good. So give me a quick rundown. You said you maxed out your Roth IRAs. That's great. Uh, You've built up an emergency fund of, did you say six months expenses? About four to five. Four to five months. Okay. That's a great start. And what is your age, Todd? Uh, 35. 35. Excellent. And do you and or your wife have access to a retirement plan at work? No, we do not. Okay. All right. So at this point, you're really looking just to fund the Roths. Are you all self-employed, or uh, tell me about your employment status?
2: Um, I am working for a small business. Um, we do not have any retirement plan available.
0: Okay. All right. And is uh, is that a possibility down the road, do you think?
2: Uh, nothing on the horizon.
0: Okay. All right. Very good. Well, the good news is you're young. And so, you know, at 35, you've got time on your side. I mean, potentially you're 30 years away from retirement. If you you look at the typical age 65, and if you did nothing more than just fully fund your Roth IRA every year, that would be great. I would love for you to begin looking at some other options down the road, either because your company adds it, or if they don't, you could look at getting some more money working for you on a tax deferred basis through, uh, let's say, an individual 401k or uh, any number of other options you might be able to take advantage of. But for right now, I think keeping your lifestyle under control, keeping debt paid, fully maxing out those Roth IRAs is great. Uh, you mentioned the additional 20000 you have to invest, and I like the iBond option a lot. Um, we've been talking about them a good bit lately, particularly because right now they're a phenomenal investment opportunity. Um, you can open the account at Treasury Redirect.gov, You and your wife would each be able to purchase ten thousand dollars in electronic I bonds this year. Uh, you wouldn't be able to redeem them for a year, but you've got a great uh, option in that. It's going to give you, um, you know, nine point six two percent at least through the end of October. It'll reset in November based on the consumer price index. We could see it drop a bit. Um, I think this June reading at nine point one percent on year-over-year inflation is probably the peak. And so we'll probably see it come down slightly uh, between now and November. But uh, it's still a great option for you. So I think taking full advantage of that with the 20000 you already have earmarked would give you, you know, a good bit of investment going in between the two Roths and the I-bonds. And then as you accumulate more money, we just need to look at other options down the road. Uh, so I'm on board with this plan, Todd.
2: Okay. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Hey, we appreciate your kind remarks, and I'm delighted to hear that you grew up listening to Larry Burkett. Still not a week that goes by that somebody doesn't mention Larry's impact, his kind heart, and his sage wisdom. Uh, so grateful to uh, have Larry's legacy continue today. I appreciate you mentioning that. God bless you, my friend. Illinois, Andrew, thank you for calling, sir. Go right ahead.
1: I basically have bought in at a stock um, when I didn't realize had frozen in the market because I guess there are so many people buying it that they froze yeah. it.
0: Yeah, they suspended and when I trading what's that? They suspended trading for news that probably came out on the company or something like that.
1: Yes, correct. And when I didn't realize that, so I bought and when I bought, I accidentally pressed or not accidentally I pressed on purpose but not realizing what I was pressing yeah. was buy in at market rate. So when it froze, it was it was like seventy dollars, and when it reopened, it was one hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah. And within like five minutes of that happening, I bought in at one seventy, not realizing, and the market kind of flushed that out super quick and went right back down to seventy bucks. Yeah. So yeah. my question to you is: hold on to it, get rid of it. I mean, I, I I'm all about long term investing. But with this one, it's like, man, it's hundred bucks lost for like within two
0: seconds, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the challenge is, and let me just explain for the benefit of our audience what happened here. So when a, a stock has news that came comes out, so it could be positive news, it could be negative news, but something that causes there to be a spike in activity. A lot of times, they will halt the trading. So the trading is actually where a buyer and seller come together. Uh, it used to happen uh, in person, and now is just largely uh, electronic and instantaneous, but it still requires a buyer and seller to come together and based on an agreed-upon price. Well, that gets a little bit out of whack when there's a lot of news that's coming out about a a particular company, and so they'll halt trading, let the market, the individuals that are buying and selling, process the information, and then open it back up and let the market kind of work out what is the new price that uh, a buyer and seller will come together. Well, as a result of this, Andrew put in a market order, which just says, whatever is the next trade that's available, I'll take it. I'm not specifying the price I'll uh, buy this stock for. It's just whatever somebody's willing to sell it at, I'll buy it. And um, that market price ended up being $100 a share higher than what it was trading at, previously $70. Uh, And then it settled back down to, I guess, what the market determined was the actual price, very close to what it was, and he had a significant loss. The challenge, Andrew, is that, you know, to be able to say, well, should I buy it to hope that I'll recover it or sell it um, to get out of it and cut my losses, you know, is really apart from doing some real research into the company, understanding, uh, you know, who they are and what the potential uh, future is of the company and looking at that in light of your overall goals and objectives in terms of your investment uh, portfolio is probably a losing proposition. So apart from your your willingness to really do that research and understand it and and be a long-term investor related to this particular company, I would say I'd just cut your losses, learn from it, and then move forward putting in a more prudent investment strategy, which is never to kind of buy into a single company that's a high flyer and trying to make a quick buck. That's really more akin to gambling as opposed to taking a more disciplined, uh, you know, thoughtful approach to your investing uh, based on a rules-based strategy of why you're allocating in certain types of asset classes and then always holding for the long haul. You know, this really highlights the, the concern around being highly concentrated because we have the potential for kind of wild fluctuations, big gains, big losses, and that's really not a prudent approach to investing. So unless you said to me, Rob, I can afford, you know, to lose this money and, I've done my research, and I'm just going to hold it for the long haul, I'd say cut your losses. Let's redirect that money and any future investing to a more well-thought-out, disciplined approach to investing that's properly diversified and that's long-term in nature. Does that make sense, Andrew?
1: A hundred percent. It's just learning the hard way. And uh yeah, yeah it, it was a total goofy boneheaded mistake. I, it was the first <laughs> time I went against my guy that actually is, is, is walking me through a, He's a, he's a believer and he's walking me through a biblical way of, of investing. And, and look Good. at what happens,
0: you know. So. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, if we can learn from them, then it serves a purpose, right? So I'd, I'd just chalk it up to a learning experience and uh, move on and, and, and not take this approach again. And we'll be back with more calls on Money Wise Weekend.
1: At Moneywise, we are on a mission. To educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from MoneyWise and believe in this mission, would you consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron? Check out all the benefits of a MoneyWise patron's membership at moneywise.org and click give on the homepage. If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian Credit Counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit christiancreditcounselors.org. That's christiancreditcounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985.
0: Well, we're so glad to have you back with us today on Money Wise Weekend. I'm Rob West, and we're looking forward to taking your calls and questions. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. To Indiana we go. Terry, thank you for calling. Go right ahead.
1: Thank you for taking my call. Uh, A few weeks back, I heard you giving a list of places where we could look for scholarships for our high schoolers. And I wasn't able to write that list down. I think you said it was on your link on your on your website, but I couldn't locate it there either. So this is not exactly a financial question, All but right. a question for information.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was actually mentioned, our team just went and took a look, uh, January 18th. Uh, was the program a good bit earlier this year and you'll see it in the show notes there. I'll have our team put it in today's show notes as well. But let me just mention a few of them now, Terry, because, you know, as you think about college and paying for college, I think there's a couple of things that are key. Number one is I think you as, as uh, a parent uh, or as a a couple parents, uh, we need to be thinking about uh, how much we're willing and able to pay for college and then communicate that to the kids early. Uh, What are we going to be able to cover? And then let them go do their own research on the true cost of attendance for the universities they're considering. Because it's more than just tuition. Tuition plus room and board and the books and the fees. Well, they're able, they'll be able to find on every college they're interested in their website, the true cost of attendance. And they can compare that to what mom and dad have said is going to be available. And then they'll have to understand the gap that exists. And I think it's important to do that early so they can begin to think about Understanding how they are going to cover the cost of college and hopefully without debt and scholarships and grants are going to be a key part of that. Perhaps work study, working during the summer, an on campus job, uh, you know, graduating early, getting good grades in, in uh, high school. I mean, all of these things working together, I think really can be the key. And the great thing is that there is a lot of scholarship money out there. A lot of folks don't realize how much is really available. Uh, there's some great uh, books you could get on Amazon if you just search for uh, college scholarships. You'd find a number of resources, Terry, and I would just look at the reviews to see which are the most highly rated. In terms of websites, let me just throw out a few. Uh, FastWeb would be one. Uh, The College Board would be another. Uh, Scholarships.com would be one. And then Niche. Dot com. N-I-C-H-E dot, dot com uh, is for scholarships related to particular niches in a course of study or uh, a niche related to the background of the applicant. Uh, so those would be some of the more uh, popular ones, FastWeb, College Board, Niche.com, Scholarships.com. But I think as you begin to research this, uh, let Google be your friend. And again, I would look perhaps at Amazon to see which scholarship books um, are the most highly rated and would be a great resource to you. But listen, all the best to you as you look at and consider uh, paying for the cost of college. Do you have uh, one that's going to be going off to college soon?
1: I have a granddaughter who's going to be a junior. Okay. I don't know that I'm looking too early,
0: do you think? Uh- I don't think so. No, I think uh, beginning to get your game plan together, understanding what resources are available for your granddaughter, helping her to understand what it's actually going to cost, which will probably be quite a bit of a shock to her, and then helping to enlist her support and work in exploring all of the opportunities that are available. Uh, my wife grew up in a single-parent home. Uh, she was told very early that uh, if you're going to go to college, you're going to have to find a way to pay for it. And uh, they t- turned their living room into a scholarship application factory and $150,000 in scholarships later, uh, she was able to get her education covered in full. Uh, Took a lot of work, but uh, if you're persistent and diligent and you've got uh, hard workers that are willing to put in the time and get the good grades, then uh, there's a lot of money to go around. So listen, all the best to you, Terry. You're a wonderful grandmother and uh, your granddaughter is blessed to have you. Let's head to uh, Brownsburg, Indiana, WGNR. Mark, thanks for calling. Go right ahead.
2: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is, I want to take uh, some of my TSP. I'm over 59 and a half, so I can take some of it. But I want to take it and roll it into I-bonds. I want to do uh, 10000 for myself, 10000 for my my spouse as well. Uh, is there, will I suffer a tax penalty for taking that out? I just roll it over in there and can I, you know, even do that?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you should be able to take the money out as the distribution. If you're over 59, you won't have the penalty, but it is all going to be taxable to you. And I I would probably avoid doing that, Mark. And here's why. I love the uh, yield right now on these I bonds at 9.62 percent, at least through the end of October of this year, uh, given what's going on in inflation and given the safety of the I bonds backed by the U.S. government. But pulling it out of the TSP is going to get it out of the taxable environment. It's going to cost you to have to add this to your taxable income for the year. $20,000, $20,000, which could push that portion up into a higher tax bracket, but also it's going to permanently be outside of that tax-deferred environment, which, if you don't need the money, could continue to grow tax-deferred uh, into the future. And although the I-bonds are attractive today, they'll probably be far less attractive a couple of years down the road if we can get uh, inflation under control. And so I think for that reason, pulling out of a qualified account, a retirement plan, to invest this money uh, is not my favorite approach. I'd rather you use money that's already in a taxable environment, money you save uh, outside of a retirement plan. If you don't have that, I realize you'd miss this opportunity, but I'm not a big fan of you pulling out of that TSP just because of the reasons I mentioned the tax implications and the loss of the tax deferred compounded growth in the future. Does that make sense though?
2: Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Uh, I thought about that, but I, still want to say, let me get his opinion see, see All what right. he
0: said. Very good. Well, Mark, I hope that helps you. I'm a big fan of I-bonds, just not with qualified money. If you're wondering what they are, head to TreasuryDirect.gov. These are inflation bonds issued by the U.S. government, the U.S. Treasury backed by the U.S. government, and they're paying 9.62% right now. You can put in up to $10,000 uh, per person per calendar year. You've got to leave it in for a year but you can enjoy that great, nearly risk-free rate right now, at least through November when it resets, according to CPI. Treasurydirect.gov, you create an account, you'd electronically move the funds in, and then you'd buy the electronic bonds, which you'd hold again for a minimum of 12 months. We appreciate your call today very, very much. Well, before we run today, I want to ask you about how you think about money. Do you control how you spend it, save it, and give it? Or does it seem to control you? Well, every day we talk about what the Bible has to say about money and how important it is to have a plan for how we manage it. If you haven't already done so, let me recommend that you check out the free MoneyWise app and let it help you get started on building a plan and working that plan so you control your money rather than it controlling you. You can find links to it on our website at MoneyWise.org. I'm Rob West. Many thanks to our amazing broadcast team and to you for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time, right here on MoneyWise Weekend. MoneyWise Weekend is provided by MoneyWise Media and by listeners like you.